We're in the Gospel of Mark, and we've been studying the Gospel of Mark for a long time now. We're getting near the end of it. Last week, we looked at a passage, one of the most beautiful passages in the whole Bible, in uh, Acts chapter, uh, I mean, in Mark chapter 15. We talked about this woman who came and anointed Jesus. It was the last act of kindness ever displayed in the life of Jesus before he was arrested and crucified. And so in uh, contrast to that, we're going to see one of the most, uh, one of the, uh, in Mark, did I say 15? I meant 14. Mark chapter 14, we're going to see one of the most uh, uh, contrasting figures in the person of Judas. When you think of Judas, what do you think of? What words come to your mind when you think of Judas? Betrayer, for sure, okay? Uh, he is one of the very few, maybe the only person that I know of in the Bible where it says that the devil himself actually entered into Judas. Not a demon, but Satan himself actually came into Judas and, uh, and led him and, and urged him on to do this despicable Deed, And so as we read in uh, uh, Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 10, it says, Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard it, they were glad, and they promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray Jesus. Now, a few verses later in uh, chapter uh, 14, verses 18 through 21, we read that later that evening, the, Jesus and his disciples were at having their Passover meal together. And it says, And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? Am I the one that will betray you? And Jesus said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed, it would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Now, here's, what do we know about Judas? Well, a few things. We know that he's called Judas Iscariot, which means Judas from the village of Carioth, which is in southern Israel. Judas was the only disciple that was not from Galilee. All of the other disciples from around the region up in northern Israel where Jesus uh, uh, grew up and around Nazareth and, and that area. But Judas was chosen to be a disciple and he was from southern Israel. Now, actually, the way it is here in America, the people up north uh, have uh, uh, what's thought of by some as a, a more... Uh, acceptable accent, and the people in the south kind of have the the 
southern drawl, you know, and uh, we we, we kind of get made fun of sometimes for our accent. Well, in Israel, just the opposite. It was northern Israel that was considered kind of the, the uh, what's the right word, hick area, you know. Uh, as a matter of fact, people made fun of the Galileans down in Jerusalem because of their accent. And so Judas may have been the only one they didn't have that Galilean accent. And so I often have, have often wondered uh, how hard he tried to fit in uh, and, and, and how at first he might have been made fun of some by the disciples because, you know, when you have an accent, you think people who speak properly, you think they are the ones that have the accent, right? <clears throat> when my brother and I were little boys, we had a, a man from England who came to live in our town. In fact, he lived in our house. He, we, he lived in an upstairs apartment in the house where we live. And my brother and I just laughed at him all the time because he talked so funny. And uh, here we never realized that people everywhere we went after that were going to be laughing at us because we talked so funny. But, uh, but we thought, and here he was speaking proper British English. And uh, we thought he was weird, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, it may have been some of that among the disciples. And, uh, but, but Judas, Jesus said of Judas, he was a devil from the beginning. But only Jesus knew that. Jesus chose Judas to be one of his disciples knowing from the beginning, that Judas had an evil heart and that Judas had plans to betray Jesus or would have plans to betray Jesus. So does it make you wonder why would Jesus choose Judas? You've wondered that, hadn't you? Yeah. Well, there's no doubt one reason was because it was to fulfill Scripture. In the Old Testament, especially in the book of Psalms, there were these prophecies that the Messiah would be betrayed by one of his close friends, that he would actually be betrayed by one that shared meals with him, and he called him, My own familiar friend has lifted up his heel against me. So obviously, if the Messiah was going to be betrayed by a friend then one of those friends had to be the betrayer. So I think Jesus chose Judas partly to fulfill Scripture. But I think he also chose him to show that what is on the outside may not always reflect what is on the inside. Do you know that Judas was loved and trusted by the disciples. As a matter of fact, when they got ready to choose a treasurer, someone to handle the money, it was Judas that was chosen to be the treasurer of the disciples' group. And he carried the bag. He carried the money bag. So it would seemed to me that the disciples 
must have fully trusted him. And when Jesus said that night, one of you will betray me, nobody said, I bet it's Judas. Because they were surprised. And they thought, well, well, who could it be? And their concern was, it's not me, is it? I'm not going to be one that betrays you and lets you down, disappoints you. So they didn't assume that it was Judas. And even when Judas got up and left the room, the, the, the table, after Jesus identified Judas, that he knew that it was Judas. The Bible says in another of the Gospels, the one to whom I hand the, the sop, it was called, he is the one that will betray me. And he dipped it and he handed it to Judas. So Judas knew that Jesus knew that he was the one. And Judas got up and left the table. And Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. Go ahead and do it. And Judas got up and left. You would think that if there was any possibility for Judas to back out of what he was going to do, if there was any possibility that Judas would, would repent, it would have been at that moment when Jesus handed him the, the sop, it was called. They dipped uh, the, uh, uh, it's a piece of, <laughs> not peanut butter. <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it was actually a, a, a little piece of, uh, it's a vegetable. I can't remember now what it was, but it would dip it in there. It had kind of like broccoli, kind of, you know, and then they, they would hand it to the, usually the guest of honor. By the way, when we were in Israel several years ago, the people there showed us how the arrangement probably was for the Last Supper. We always think of it how, like Leonardo da Vinci's painting, Jesus in the middle and the disciples to the side, six of them on each side, but they told us that according to Jewish traditions and Jewish customs, that that was not at all the way it was. That there, the table was in kind of a U-shape, and uh, that the, the host would always be the second one at the table. And they were never seated at the table. They were lying on their, propped up on their left elbow, and they were... Uh, uh, eating with their right hand and their feet extended out behind them, like I told you about last week that I said I was going to demonstrate, but I, I didn't because I couldn't get up. And so, uh, but, but it would have been this order. And, and they said that the first person, the person at the very front of the table, was considered, he was called the beloved guest, the beloved guest. And that would have been John. So John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He would have been the one first, and then Jesus would have been second because that was always the position of the host. And then the third person would be what was called the guest of honor, the guest of honor. This is the one that was actually being honored by by the host. And they told us, and, and by the way, and then they had seating arranged all the way around, and then the servant, would be the last one who would be seated directly across from the beloved uh, uh, guest. And that was probably Simon Peter because the Bible says that Peter and John had direct eye contact with one another. So Peter would have been around. And, of course, 
Peter undoubtedly had heard Jesus teaching about, uh, you know, the first shall be last and everything. So Peter, wanting to be first, took last place probably. So, uh, but anyway, that would have meant that Jesus was propped up on this elbow. John was in front of him. And John's head would have been leaning right on the chest of Jesus. Or at least it would have been there where he could just lean his head on the chest of Jesus. And the Bible actually tells us that he was leaning on the chest of Jesus. So that, and so who would have been the, the next guest? Who would have been the honored guest? And it was probably Judas. It's as if Jesus said to Judas, knowing what was in his heart, even knowing what his plans had been, Jesus said to him, Judas... I want to give you the place of honor at the meal tonight. And that would have meant that the head of Jesus would have actually been laying on the chest of Judas. Isn't that amazing? And here, that's the reason these three, John and Jesus and Judas, were able to hear what was being said, whereas the others couldn't hear the conversation. And then uh, uh, Peter, of course, he... He's talking across the table to, uh, to John and asks him some questions. But so when Jesus gets ready to, and he dips the sop, and he said, the one to whom I hand the sop, this is what he told John. He said, the one that I hand the sop to will be the one that will betray me. And he gives it to Judas, the guest of honor, which was not uncommon. That's the one you would usually give it to anyway. And, uh, and so nobody thought anything about it. Nobody, nobody thought, well, it's, so it's Judas. And so Judas got up and went and sold Jesus for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. Why? Why would Judas do such a thing? Well, there are all kinds of ideas. Some people think it was just pure greed. The Bible does say that he carried the bag, so he had money. And the Bible actually tells us, that he would actually take money out of the bag and use it for his own, his own self. He was a thief. And so some people think that he was just so uh, enthralled with money that he saw an opportunity to make 30 pieces of silver and uh, that that's why he did it. I doubt, seriously, if greed was the total driving force behind it. I think it might have been jealousy. Maybe he was jealous of the other disciples. Here, uh, Peter and James and John seemed to get favored position. And Judas may have thought, well, look here, I'm the treasurer, and I don't even get invited to the staff meetings, you know. It's always Peter, James, and John. And why, why am I left? I don't know. You know, it's just my imagination that he may have, uh, may have had some jealousy. Maybe he had some ambition. He wanted to climb up the ladder and be in a higher position and ranking. Uh, many people believe, and this is possible, that Judas was a revolutionary. And that, uh, in fact, in Kerioth, the, the, land, the place that he came from, there were a group of men who were revolutionaries, and they carried daggers in a belt underneath their coat. And they would, uh, when they would meet a Roman soldier, they would slip one of those daggers out and 
deposit it in the Roman soldier and kill him. And uh, this was a major problem. Kerioth was a, a major, major rebel town. So there are some people who believe that Judas wanted to be a disciple of Jesus because he saw in Jesus a potential Savior of Israel. He was looking for the Messiah to come, but not the kind of Messiah that Jesus came to be. He was looking for a Messiah that would overthrow the Romans and would set up the kingdom of Israel as it had been hoped for. Political freedom rather than freedom from sin and judgment. And many people believe that uh, as Jesus began to talk about, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and there I'll be betrayed, and I'll be arrested, and I'll be crucified, and on the third day I'll rise again. All the disciples at first said, no, 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 it can't be that way. And no doubt Judas was among them. And perhaps Judas thought, I can force the hand of Jesus. I know he's not going to let them kill him. And so if I can betray him, turn him over to his enemies, then when they come to arrest him, perhaps he will do his Messiah thing then. And he will defeat the Romans and set up the kingdom. That's just conjecture. I know... uh, a man named William Barclay has written a whole book on, on that whole topic. But even if that was the case, you know, somebody says, well, maybe he had good intentions. No, he had the intention maybe of trying to force God to work his will rather than God's will. And so for whatever reason, for whatever reason, Judas betrayed Jesus sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. And even later, he regretted it. Later, when things didn't turn out the way he thought it was going to, and again, William Barclay says that once Judas saw that Jesus really was going to go through with it and that he wasn't going to save himself and rescue himself, but he was going to allow them to really kill him, that Judas thought, what what have I done? And he went and he Gave the money back. So that would indicate maybe that it wasn't just for pure greed. But for whatever reason, Judas went out then and hanged himself and took his own life. One of the few suicides in the Bible. Now here's the question, two questions. I'll close with it. Some people say to me, well, do you think maybe Judas was saved? What do you think? Was Judas, Judas, do you think Judas will be in heaven? Well, let me tell you why I know he won't be in heaven. For one thing, he's called the son of perdition in one of the Gospels. But also, Jesus said it would be better for this man if he had never been born. So it's obvious, I mean, If a person dies and goes to heaven, it's a good thing that he was born, right? 
But for Jesus to say, this man, it would be better for him that he never, that he never was born. We're told in the book of Acts that when Judas died, he went to his own place. Didn't say he went to heaven. He went to his own place. And he's also called the son of hell, the son of perdition in the Gospels. So Judas did not go to heaven. He played a vital part, but the Bible says that he was a devil from the beginning and that there was a point in which Satan himself entered into Judas and uh, fulfilled diabolically what was already in Judas's heart to do. Now, one lesson that I get from this, and this is kind of super serious. Uh, I think one reason Jesus chose Judas was as a warning to unsaved church members. Here was a man who spent three years with Jesus. He ate meals with him. He sang with him, no doubt. He prayed with him, or at least was among the disciples who went to Jesus and said, teach us to pray, teach us to pray. He ministered with him. No doubt Judas was one of the ones uh, taking up the 12 baskets of leftovers from the feeding of the 5,000. He saw Jesus do all kinds of amazing things. He was with Jesus when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He was an active disciple. But his heart was never changed. His heart from the beginning. Jesus said, the Bible said, Jesus knew from the beginning the heart of Judas. And I think Jesus made every attempt, every possible attempt, to say to Judas, trust me, love me, don't love yourself. Jesus surely knew that Judas was stealing from the bag. But as far as we know, he never confronted him. But I think he made every attempt right up to the very last supper when he hands to Judas the sop as that of the honored guest. Don't do this thing that you've purposed to do. But he did do it. And I'm telling you, Jesus himself tells us that in that day of final judgment, there will be many people who will say, Lord, didn't we do many great things in your name? Didn't we follow you? Didn't we give our money? Didn't we worship? Didn't we even cast out demons? And no doubt Judas cast out demons because the Bible says Jesus gave to his disciples authority to go ahead and heal the sick and cast out demons. So Judas probably did that. And Jesus said there will be many on that day that will say, didn't we do these things? And sadly, 
Jesus will answer them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, I always hate to, in a way, I always hate to do that because I know that people have a tendency to doubt their salvation anyway. I have so many people over the years who say, well, I just can't get assurance of my salvation. And every time I just about have it, some preacher will get up and preach about Judas and then say, make sure you're really saved. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says that we must make our calling and election sure. We must know that we know for sure that we are trusting only in Jesus. Now, if you had asked Judas somewhere along the way, are you a disciple? He would have said yes. If you had asked him, are you a follower of Jesus? He would have said yes. But if you had asked him, do you fully, totally, completely trust in Jesus? And are you willing to take his answer for every question, he would have had to have said, if he were honest, no, I'm trusting myself. So I would ask you today, where is your trust? Are you trusting in your behavior, your actions, your good works, your character? Your personality? Are you trusting only in what Jesus has done for you? And so many times when I'm talking to a person who's not a Christian, I'll ask them two questions that I learned from D. James Kennedy. First of all, if you were to die tonight, do you know for certain that you would go to heaven. And most people that I talk to will say, well, no, I'm not sure. I hope I would. I think I would. I might. Or some will just say, no, I, I wouldn't. And then I ask the second question, if you were to stand before Jesus right now and he asked you, why should I let you come in to my heaven what would you say and at least 90% of the people when they answer that question they start listing things in their life well because I, I've tried to live a good life or I've been a good husband or I, I'm a church member or I've been baptized or they'll give a, a list I try to keep the ten commandments They'll give a list of, of good things they've done. And then I say to them, well, before I ask you those questions, I thought I had some good news to share with you, but now I know for certain that I have some good news to share with you. And here's the good news, that it is not by anything you do or have done or could do that could get you into heaven. But it is only by what Jesus did 
for you. This is the gospel. Christ died for sinners. And he was buried and he rose again on the third day. That's the gospel. And to believe that somehow or another, I might make it into heaven because of something good that I've done is to think like Judas. It grows out of a selfish and a prideful heart. But to be able to say, I have no hope in my own self. My hope is only in Jesus. That's salvation. What are you hoping in? What are you trusting in? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you today in the name of Jesus to help us to examine our hearts, even as your word tells us, to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith and to make our calling and our election sure. Not, uh, not by looking at what we've done, but looking at what you've done. Not looking at who we are, but looking at who you are. And I pray that if there's anybody here today whose heart has not been changed. They are not loving the Lord Jesus Christ. That you will help them to know that Judas was in that same situation. But they, unlike Judas, can trust in you today and have absolute certainty of their salvation. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.